Hey, let's continue with James. Have you guys enjoyed the James series so far? Man, last week straight jacked me up. Anybody else taming the tongue? Have, have you spoken differently over the last week to those that you live and do life with? Has anybody changed the way they speak? There is life and death. There is power in your tongue. You know that, right? And uh, we talked about it last week, which was so great that this tongue of yours carries weight, carries the most weight. Because the things that you say make the greatest difference in the lives of others. We know that it is small but mighty. Do you remember that? It needs guidance like that rudder, like that bit in the horse's mouth. It is small but mighty. Uh, But it is also meant to be tamed. That the tongue is meant to be tamed. I can't help what I say, pastor. And it's like, yes, you can. Okay, you can. I just had to say it. No, you did not. All right. And you guys have always maybe been on the the other side of that type of conversation, right? I just, I, I couldn't sleep. I had to say this to you. You're ugly. It's like, no, you did not. That's downright mean, okay? But we know how strong the tongue can be, but it is meant to be tamed, but can only be tamed by the one who created it, God Almighty. We try our best to do what we can, but we know we can't tame that unruly little member of our body. But it's also, the tongue is meant to speak truth, which we grew to understand flows from our hearts. Truth or lies and death, life and death, and that truth flows from your heart. Hopefully truth flows from your heart and life flows from your heart, not lies, deception, and death. Okay. So this week, all right, I love this. We see James kind of continue a conversation a little bit, and he's talking about this thing called wisdom. Okay. And, and last week, James made some statements that were very strong about the power of our most unruly little member called our tongue. But this week, did you know James is here this week with you? Say hello, James. I'm saying in your best British accent ever while sipping tea with your pinky up, crumpets on the. Hello, James. Oh, you're some bad Brits here. I love it. Okay. Um, this week, we see James begin with the questions. And I kind of, you know how I am with the word. it's living and active in my life. I look at it in a way where it's like, how does this apply to me right now here today? So the way I see it, it's me right at the table, you at the table, and our boy James at the table with us. Almost like a counseling appointment with three folks present, all right? And I see James sitting at the table with us. We both, all of us, have our our nice favorite cup of joe, or maybe if you're a tea drinker, where's my tea drinkers? Okay, you have your favorite tea, all right? But we're sitting at the table, and, and we're here because I'm like, guys, listen, this guy, James, he knows what's up. Remember what he said to us last week about the power of our tongue? Well, he's got some questions for us today. Not just me, okay? Because I'm having to answer these questions too, guys. But he's got questions for you and for me, for everyone that we have to answer today, okay? So we see him starting off. I love this. He begins with asking this question, who is wise and understanding among you? See, remember, James is talking to some folks that were raised in Judaism, that these folks that were raised with an understanding that Jesus was not the Messiah, that Messiah had not come, and then the Messiah did come, and some of these folks are like, you know what, I agree with this. 
So we see the start of this thing called the church, and we see James talking to these folks as they're trying to take the gospel out, and he's asking them some questions because he sees some things happening, okay? And he starts to ask some really key questions. Like when you go into your house and you see the place is a mess, there's two kids in there, and you were not there, and you're like, what happened? Who did this? Anybody understand what I'm talking about there? Yes, a lot, there was a lot of amen on that. Okay, we're going to be doing some uh, parenting class, and I'm kidding. It's not the parents. The kids are wild sometimes. We know that. I get it, all right? But this morning, we picture ourselves there, and we, we say to ourselves, what are these questions to us, and how can we answer them as we see Jesus as the Messiah. So it's going to be a little different this morning because I'm going to read and explain, read and explain, all right? So we're going to start with James 3, 13 through 17, finishing off chapter 3 with this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, which is his good life, another translation says, let him show his works and the meekness, which is humility, of wisdom. So the meekness of wisdom, the humility of wisdom, verse 14. But, okay, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. You're like, what does this mean? Just a moment. It'll make sense. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sounds like some fruit that would come from the Spirit of God dwelling within us, correct? We'll get to that more in just a moment. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we're going to start today by taking a look at wisdom. And what is wisdom, all right? What is wisdom? The quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. See, wisdom's definition is based out of or upon the decisions we make, okay? So wisdom, again, the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. Wise. So this is what I want us to do. James asks us, who is wise and understanding among you? I want you to take a second. I want you to take a second. And don't look around you right now because this could get awkward, okay? But look around you in your life, okay? Look around you in your life. And who do you see as one who is wise? Who do you see as one who has wisdom that you would go to if you had questions about the things of life? Who is someone that you see as wise? Why is this important? Because we have to understand who and what is their source of wisdom. What does that mean? See, James is telling these folks, the ones that he said who want to desire to be teachers and all of these things like that, he says, you got to make sure that you are sharing the right wisdom. So when you look around you, who do you see as a wise person? Did you, raise your hand if you got a name in your mind. You got a name. Okay, does everybody have a wise person in your mind? Or shake your head if your arm's broke, okay? Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry, you're not in trouble for not raising your arm. You're like, I just lifted like crazy yesterday. Me too. No, all right? Like burger curls. It was amazing. 
burger curl. It was only one burger, but it was a great curl. You should see the bicep from the burger. There's two types of wisdom when you look around you. Two types of wisdom. You're like, well, this person is just wise. What do you mean types of wisdom? When I think about them, I just see wisdom. What do you mean? See, there's godly wisdom and ungodly wisdom. You're like, duh. No, 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 no. James is trying to make a point here. That see, there's wisdom that comes from the character of God that is called godly wisdom. And there's wisdom that comes from the characters of this world called ungodly wisdom. James is building up to something here. He's talking about understanding your source of wisdom in your life and why are they deemed wise to you, okay? See, godly wisdom has these types of characteristics. James talks about it. Mercy, love for others, peace, submission. Are you beginning to question the person that you see as wise? Ooh, okay. They don't really, uh, they're not very peaceful when they communicate. They don't submit well to authority. They don't even submit well to those that are under them because it goes both ways. He also says, you know, someone that is sincere, ooh, someone that is impartial, someone that exhibits righteousness. See, that's godly wisdom. We see that as characteristics of God that we witness through the life of Jesus. But ungodly wisdom, according to what the world says, which is also inspired by the adversary because he is the one that inspires the things of this world versus the things of heaven. Bitterness, envy, selfish ambition. That person, are you seeing different characteristics than you thought should be of one who is wise? Are you seeing some things differently now? Earthly concerns and desires unspiritual thoughts and ideas? Do you see disorder and even outright evil within their lives? It redefines wisdom, doesn't it? See, a lot of times we look at a tycoon, you know, or we look at someone that is super established within their job or someone that, that has this or has that or someone with, with this beautiful picturesque family or, or someone that, just fill in the blank, and we look at their life and like they are... They are so wise. How do they get to that place? The question is, how many people did they trample along the way? How did they, they measure up to mercy, love, peace, submission, sincerity, impartiality, righteousness? Were they filled with bitterness and envy? Were they filled with selfish ambition? Did they have earthly concerns and desires that were not of the Lord? Did they have unspiritual thoughts and ideas and even disorder and outright evil in their lives? See, we got to consider the source is what James is saying here. Who do you see as wise in your life? Because who you see as wise is one in which you will emulate in all that you do. You will think these are the steps that I need to take then. This is the direction that I need to go. Look at them. But where is their source of wisdom is the real question. So he says there's two types of wisdom. Godly and ungodly. Wisdom is weighed by the character we possess and the decisions we make each and every day. That is the, the scales of wisdom, is the decisions that we make. Because what you see is something birthed in the heart that goes to the mind that becomes a decision, that becomes an action. 
And we look at those as wise moves, as, as something that is, that is amazing and that's something that we want to strive for. But we may be putting our eggs in the basket of ungodly wisdom versus godly wisdom. That, my friends, is scary. So, as we continue on to James chapter 4, there's some, some questions that he asks then that I want us to ask to ourselves today. And a lot of times you're like, man, I didn't come to church, man. I didn't come to church to be asking myself questions. I came to hear about Jesus as my homeboy and my friend that went around healing people, that loved on people, that just made everybody feel happy, that just shot rainbows in the sky and just smacked unicorns on the hind parts and watched them run around. That's what I wanted to hear about. (laughs) Has anybody ever seen that in life happen? No. We came to ask ourselves hard questions that James asked a long time ago so that we can live as Christ today. So, ask yourself, what causes the strife of my life? What causes the strife of your life? What causes the turmoil? What causes the arguments? What causes the pain? What are the things that really What are the quarrels? You see this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you, he says? You wonderfully religious people. What is the root problem here of your arguments? Why are you fighting each other? Do you even know what's going on? Are you leaning into your wisdom or godly wisdom? Is it that your passions are at war within you? Think about that, guys. Do you desire... You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. What is he saying here? Where do your desires come from within you? What are those desires? Where is their point of origin? What wisdom informs your thinking? What causes these problems? We all desire, listen to me, and you'll know this is true. We all desire love, we all desire respect, and we all desire happiness. Everybody want to be happy? Okay, I think that's, you're like, no, no, I just really want to be sad. It's so much more fun, because if I wasn't sad, I wouldn't have anything to complain about. (laughs) I love to complain. You know what I mean by that? Even if you don't say it, everybody wants to be loved. And we do things to feel love. Let's put that in strong quotations. Everybody wants to be respected. Nothing fires me up more than feeling disrespected. Can I get some amens? The path we take to fulfilling our desires in this life display the source of our wisdom. The path we take to fulfilling our desires in life display the source of our wisdom. Who we follow God or ungod, godly wisdom or ungodly wisdom. If you have to covet and kill to get yours, there's a problem. If you have to constantly want what other people have and do whatever you can do to get it, there's a problem with your wisdom source. You have the wrong desires and the wrong wisdom. Second question, ask yourself. Now listen, everything that I ask you today, I have to ask myself as well. I am 110% human who, have, who has the greatest human desires ever. 
All right, we are all the same. But then the next question we have to ask is, why don't I get what I want in this life? Is that true? You ever ask yourself that? I want it now kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you ever feel that way? Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not even going to go into this, but there's things I want. There are things I want. And when I'm presented with the opportunity to get these things, I ask myself, why do I want that? What, what wisdom informs what I want in this life? And that's a question we ask. Why don't I get what I want? James says this, you do not have because you do not ask. I'm asking all the time for what I want. Anybody else? Yell out something you want, make sure it's G-rated. Support, million dollars. A house. Napalm. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> what do you want? Have you asked for it before? Yeah, you have. Because you want it. But listen to this. You, don't, you do not have because you do not ask. James, you are crazy. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. Oh, you just dropped the mic on me. To spend it on your passions. This isn't a beat you up thing. This is like something you got to go home with and work on. Me too, every single day. It is God's desire for your life that you ask of him for what you want in this life. But hold on. We need guidance, don't we? Because we'll ask for things that maybe go way beyond our needs and even our wants. You know what I mean by that? We need guidance. See, and it's amazing to me when I think about how those things have changed over the years of my life, but our wants display our motives. What motivates you? I love this word. Define motive is the reason for doing something, especially, right, a reason that is hidden and not obvious. See, when you ask yourself the question, why do I want this? What do I want? It actually will display the motive if you look hard enough. And a lot of times our motives are hidden, aren't they? Why do you want this? Well, I want it because they have it. Well, I want it because it's flashy and pretty. Or I want support because I need support. You know what I'm saying? But why, why do we ask and what motivates our questions in our lives of what we want? God will display what motivates the heart if we allow him to. He will always display it to you if you allow him as he knocks on that door and he's trying to get close enough to speak the truth that he carries to your life. I'm telling you, every day I have to go through this. There's so many things I want that I have not realized. Do not go on social media when you're in the midst of a wanting trip. Okay, can I get an amen on that? Do not. You go on there and you see your, your high school graduate friends Wow, they just got a humongous house. I hate them. <laughs> oh boy, just got a four-door truck. I want to steal it. You know what I mean by this? Just fill in the blank. Sister girl got to go on a cruise with all her lady friends. Ladies are like, I'll punch her. I will pull her hair out. Hey, you know what I mean by this? Motives. We don't say that, but that's what we feel. Motives. 
And when you think about what James is asking here, and he's asking us as he's sitting around the table, he's like, so what do you want? What do I want? What motivates my wants? You know, what motivates the things that I say and that I do? God wants to get close enough to your life to whisper his motive and his desire to you. His hidden desires for your life. But it takes time to mind that out sometimes. Just like it takes time to discover in yourself what motivates yourself, it also takes time to find that in him. But a lot of times we don't want to invest. We don't even want to let him in the door. Because he will give us guidance. He will lead us in the right direction, but we got to let him in. Third question. This is getting real up in here. Okay, James. Why is James calling me an adulterous person? You know, James, I didn't come to the table today to be having words like this thrown around at me. I will punch you right in the throat, James. I don't care if you was Jesus' half-brother. I'm 100% angry right now. And you were, but listen, it's going to make sense. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world, oh, okay, creates separation, right? Enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why is James throwing these accusations at me? Why would he do that? There's love. Because he is trying to give you a glimpse of the Father's love. James is like, listen here, homeboy. Listen here, sis. Listen here, sir. Listen here, ma'am. Listen here, child. Listen here. Your Father in heaven loves you so much that he sent Jesus as the Messiah. I know this might be hard with your pedigree and all that you know and you're raised with, Jewish folk of Scripture here audience, original audience. But he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he does not want to be separated from you. And what he sees here is that you love ungodly wisdom more than you love godly wisdom. You love the world more than you love the one who created it. He says, secondly, that he wants us to take our orders and directions from him. We're going to get more into this what I want thing here. Because Jesus says this, I love you. But the world says, I love me. Jesus says, okay, Jesus says, I'll die for you. I did die for you. The world says, die trying to get yours, to do what you got to do to make it work. Right? We see that. That's truth, isn't it? Jesus says, I am humble. But the world says, be proud. Have pride in all that you have done and what you have accomplished. Look at you. Look at your schooling. Look at your, all of your education. Look at your job. Look at your kids. Look at your house. You know what I mean? Look at your security that you feel. There's Literally, you know what I mean by this. Look at what you've done. You should be proud of who you are. Jesus says, look, look, look. At any moment, all this can fade. At any moment. Your body, your health can be taken from you. At any moment, all this can change. And he's saying, what do you really want? Do you want to be with me? 
Do you want a relationship with me? Because I have showed you that I want to be with you. Our worship team is going to make their way up as I conclude with the last question this morning. As you ask yourself, how can I get what I want out of this life? Now, you know what I'm talking about this once thing. This isn't saying that you get what you want in life because you're supposed to. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying here is how do I get what I want in life? The real question is how do you get close enough to God to hear what he wants for your life so that his wants become yours? I hope nobody ever takes these messages out of context. You'd be like, get what you want in life. You know, no, 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 no. If we're close enough to our father, we'll want what our father wants. It's been fun to watch in my kids' lives as we spend time together. They're beginning to want the same things. I didn't come from the healthiest of backgrounds considering a lot of different things, and none of us really did. But what I have have made a point to do is to make that generation my responsibility, my children, better. And what's crazy is what I want, which is what God wants, godly wisdom, okay? I don't have it all the time because I am human. I make major mistakes. But what I want is what he wants. And all of a sudden, what they want is what I want, which is what which he wants. These things can change. Just by asking the right questions, huh? How can I get what I want out of this question, out of this life? The question is, what does God want? James 4, 7 through 10, submit yourself. This is how it'll happen. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near your hearts, God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is getting real. Have you ever had a friend close enough to you to say these types of hard things? Maybe not. Be wretched and mourn and weep. We'll make sense of this later. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. What he's saying here is completely submit yourselves to him. Because when we do that, we will see the grace that abounds. As an earthly father trying to love my children perfectly, if they come up to me and say, this is what I did, this is what I broke, this is probably what it's going to cost you, You know what I mean by this? Because they came to me with honesty and they humbled themselves and submitted themselves to my authority as their father, I'm going to give them grace. Does that mean they get off scot-free without feeling anything or they need to work for something to make it better? You know what I mean by that? Like, no, you need to clean up that mess right there. You need to work to clean up the mess that your hands made. You know what I mean by this? But there's grace. When there is submission There is grace. When you fully submit, he will give you grace. But also we see James say that we were to resist the devil. What does that mean when we resist the devil? When you resist the devil, that means that you are actually standing up to him and fighting. Fighting with what? The truth. What is the truth? Your testimony. What is your testimony? What God did in your life. Your eye was blind, but now I see. I was broken, but now I'm whole. I was this, but now I'm that. That's the truth of who Jesus is and what he did in and through your life. So when we stand up to that with the enemy, what does he do? He flees. He runs. But what's so crazy about the enemy, when he runs away, he's really good at regrouping. He didn't run from you before because you weren't a threat. You weren't a threat. 
You weren't a threat to the kingdom that, that God is trying to bring to this world through your life. You weren't a threat. But as soon as you identified the truth from godly wisdom, all of a sudden you became a threat. And then you said, listen here, devil. Here's the truth. God set me free from drugs and alcohol. God set me free from, and just fill in the blank. God set me free from depression. God set me free from, and fill in the blank. God set me free from broken relationships. Fill in the blank. God set you free, and that's the truth, and that becomes your story. And when you use your story, you fight with it, and he's defeated. But he's always regrouping and coming back, so you have to continue to speak the truth. Speak truth. Speak truth, grace, and love. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and the judges the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? To speak truth, not just the truth upon our own lives but also to those around us. There's a word in there called slander. You don't really read it, but you see it. It's a false, falsely spoken statement. Damaging a person's reputation, often malicious. And you see this here. Do not speak evil against one another. How do we live with godly wisdom? Knowing the truth about ourselves, but speaking life to others. Because so often we fall into the worldly wisdom, the ungodly wisdom side of things, where we get all broken inside, we get frustrated, we are, our wants overwhelm, you know, our wants versus his wants, and all of a sudden we begin to speak malicious things to others. And the vicious cycle goes over again. The devil comes back, he fights you again. Have you watched this? Have you seen it? All because of our wisdom source. All because we lean into the world's wisdom Versus the wisdom that comes from God. So do me a favor in conclusion this morning. Close yourselves in once again with the Lord. Should I stay or should I go? I don't know. I think you should stay right now because we're going to finish this up. And then you can go. Did I name that tune? How many, how, many, how many was that that I named it in? How many, what is it, measures, beats? What is this? Two? Was that pretty good? Thanks, guys. I'll be here all week. I'll be here again next week. We're going to conclude James next week. So as we finish this, before you go, the question, you got to roll with this stuff, man. Who cares? It's, this is, we're sitting at the table with James. It's just a really big table. What's your source of wisdom? Who do you want to be like? That's a real question. I mean, who do you want, whose steps do you want to follow in? What, what earthly person have you seen, okay, that you want to be like? Because when you see their source of wisdom, right, you'll see your future. You'll be just like them. But any day you can change. Any moment you can make a better decision to have godly wisdom. To choose God first because he's chosen you. Any day today, you can make that decision. What does it start with? Submission. 
What does that mean? I give you control of my life, God. I give you control. I give you control. And it may not even be like a financial thing for you. It may not even be an emotional thing. It may not be a spiritual thing. I don't know what it is, but there's something that we've compartmentalized that we hold back that we think is, is wise to not give to the Lord. That godly wisdom says give, give, and give it all. Because only when you do will you live a life filled with wisdom. Godly wisdom. A lot of questions, right? A lot of questions. However, these questions are meant to be answered by you and you alone. And it starts with giving your life to him and then every day asking these questions again. What motivates me? It's such a big thing, isn't it? What do I want? What do you want? What, do I, what does he want? What motivates me? What, makes, what wakes me up in the morning? What gets me excited during the day? And what, what allows me to have peace at night? Godly wisdom. Godly direction. So close your eyes with me this morning. I feel like the Holy Spirit has really pulled our heartstrings and stepped on our toes. And that's fine with me. Because I didn't do it. If it's me, it's not worth it. It'll change. I will fail you. I will let you down. I, I will get you, I'll make you angry, I'm sure. I'll say something that offends you. I'll do something. But, but when he, when he prods your heart, when he pulls on the string, when he steps on your toes, it's only because he is showing the perfect love of God and his desire for your wholeness, for his wisdom to be in you. That's the only reason why. And, and what can be considered a scripture in this way from, from the words of James, they only challenge you because the Holy Spirit illuminates what he wants you to be challenged by. He shows you what he wants you to hear, feel, and be changed in. So the question today, I'm just going to give you one question. And it's going to be all-encompassing. And, and, and it's going to be one that is, that is going to require a standing response. What I mean by that is this. We're, we're going to agree to this together corporately. But we're going to agree to go and be changed by it, starting a new dialogue with God after today where we ask the hard questions. Okay? Not a, a knee-jerk decision in church because I just, it was, oh, mm, the spirit was there. No, 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 no. Because he's here in you and he's taking you out of these doors changed. Will you fully submit to God? The way we're going to do this is it's not going to be a unanimous standing. It's going to be you standing up when you're willing to submit. You may already feel like it's, it's a done deal. I want to submit so you can start standing now if you want. But I want it to be a heartfelt decision that I'm going to stand and after I've done everything to stand here, I'm going to stand again outside of here asking myself, am I am I pursuing godly wisdom in this? What are my motives in that? How can I be like Jesus today? What decisions can I make to help 
be more like him and to live with godly wisdom. So if you're willing to submit to him, just you don't even have to open your eyes. Just stand up because it's still between you and him. If you're not ready to stand, don't. That's fine. Because you might still be working on some stuff. That's fine. God might still be working on stuff in you. Totally fine. Thing is, when you stand, that which is not submitted stays seated. It's almost like you're jumping out of that old skin. The old person, the old is gone and, and you've become new. God, we thank you so much. God, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by how much you love us. I'm overwhelmed by the thought that you would send Jesus for me. God, I, I know my wants. I know my earthly, demented, devilish wants because I'm human. But I also know your wants for me. And God, I have to make the decision every day to say, no, you know, put aside ungodly wisdom and ungodly wants and choose. God, you know me and you know how hard that is. God, you know my spiritual pedigree, which is not a positive one. But you also know my spiritual future in you, which is amazing. This morning, God, you are infusing your church with hope. Our, our hearts will not be sick because that hope is not deferred. Our hearts will be whole. The best is yet to come. The best has not already happened. God, you are giving us a new, a new understanding of the future. A new opportunity to choose your wisdom. To change those that we look at as wise around us. We're going to look at the one who was perfect, Jesus. We're going to focus on how he lived, what Jesus did every single day. Even how he said, if you do anything, love God with everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do anything, be perfect in your love. If you do anything, choose our heavenly father first. Your neighbor, second, because all your stuff, all your needs, all your wants will always be met when you do it. Help us live like you, Jesus, as you, even you, submitted to the Father's will. You knew the cup was heavy and hard to drink, but you took it for us so that we could be whole. So we simply submit, knowing that we'll be made whole. We love you, Lord. Thank you. We thank you for your love. Crazy love, but we thank you for it. Overwhelming, undeserved, but we thank you for it. And Lord, we have reason to be grateful because we are whole. I challenge you this morning. If you'd like us to pray with you, we would love to do that. If you'd like to talk about something, we're here for you. Just take a moment. Universal sign of giving up, right? Submission, raising, I give up. If you've never done that before, it might be kind of weird, but just close your eyes. Nobody can see you when you don't see them. Ha! <laughs>
submit, give up. If you need to come to the altar, which is just a space that's, that's here, and if you want to take a knee, you can do that. Or you can, these seats that are open up front, you can bow down there if you want. If you want to be humble, that's cool. But take a moment, and whatever submission looks like, make it a physical action today. If you need prayer, we'll be here. Let's love on it, okay?